630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osman Auction. And now, the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's the Edmonton Oilers' first three-game losing streak of the season. Tonight they fall 4-1 to the Florida Panthers. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's 8.04 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins, Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. So, Rob, scoreless after the first period. Panthers get two in the second period, and they outshoot the Oilers 9 I mean, that really swung the game. How did the Panthers do it in that middle frame? Well, they did it in the middle frame by surviving the first. And I think that we've seen so many times, you and I, and we've talked about it, that if a team has a number of glorious scoring chances in a period and dominates a period and they aren't rewarded at the end of that first 20, they go in a little down and the team that was dominated goes in kind of Rejuvenated, Like, oh my goodness, we're still in this game despite all those mistakes. And that's what happened. The Oilers had a ton of great chances in the first 20 minutes. Luongo was just better. And all of a sudden, Florida comes out in the second period. They feel that they owe their goalie something. And they pushed and pushed. And they won every battle. They won every race. And when they eventually score, you know, early in the second period, the Oilers is just this big... Uh, you know, oh my goodness, here we go again. How are we behind in this game that we had so many good chances? We wasted those, and then it just, the fatigue, the tired, the the road trip, everything just seemed to crash down on them, and Florida just kept pushing. And when Florida pushed and got their chances, they capitalized. And if there's one common theme that we saw, especially in the last three games of this road trip, the, the three losses, the Oilers did not capitalize on great scoring chances. Yeah, 4-1 Florida takes it tonight. The final shots in this game, 33-27 in, fl- in favor of the Panthers. And I mentioned that second period, 19-4, they were able to outshoot the Oilers. Mike Hoffman had two assists tonight for the Panthers. He extends his point streak to 10 games, longest active streak in the NHL. The Donoff, Bugstad, Huberdeau, and Sevier were the goal scorers. Edmonton's only goal, 23 seconds into the third period. Dreisaitl gets his 10th from McDavid. And yes, those two guys were reunited for our adjustment of the game by the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Kajula was uh, the other member of that forward line for the third period. Uh, look, the Oilers don't play again until Sunday. They're not going to practice tomorrow. They'll practice Saturday. What, what? Just sitting here now, immediately after this game, what do you think? Dreisaitl and Connor back together now, coming up on Sunday. I, I, I don't think it'll happen. I, I think it was just a, a one period. I think we, we've seen all teams do it. They, nothing's going for them. And it's, for the Oilers, it wasn't just tonight. It was the last three games. Uh, I, I think you what you saw... Todd McClellan do is give a little a little help to his his star player Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid's made some incredible plays on this road trip that haven't been finished. You know, Ty Ratty, a couple wonderful opportunities where he was absolutely robbed. And it's not on Ty Ratty, but Leon Dreisettle has better finish. He's probably the the purest goal scorer that the Oilers have. So he's like, all right, Connor, Connor deserves someone right now that can score for him because no one else seems to be doing it. And sure enough, the first shift he puts one in. I 
I just I think Connor or Connor will be back with Nuge on Sunday, and uh, we'll have Leon back with his own line. But having said that, there could be wholesale changes, and, and Bob and Jack alluded to it, and you and I have talked about it for the last you know week or so. There may be players that'll be sent down to the minors, and Bob had a little bit more insight when he added the fact that the AHL team plays a number of games in a row in a short period of time, which would allow whoever goes down there to get a a lot of ice time, so we'll see what the lineup will be allowed to be, or not allowed, what the the lineup could be on Sunday with who's available. Well, and I, I think that's a good point. I mean, Pooley Yarvey obviously has been scratched. He missed four games in a row, doesn't play a lot tonight, just 9.06. Yamamoto didn't play tonight. And, yeah, I mean, look, they, they've both had some good mm-hmm. moments, but if if you're going to have somebody that you drafted in the first round playing whatever on any given night, 9, 10, 11 minutes, so sometimes they got a little more sure, are, are they not better served playing in the AHL and, and maybe playing with uh, offensive players more consistently, getting some confidence and ironing out some things in their game? You know, up off the farm, we've already seen Cooper Marodi come up. Um, Brad Malone played some games last year. He's obviously an older guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to keep Marodi playing, I mean, you can bring Malone up, and if he plays, he plays. If he sits, he sits. It's not going to affect his long-term future with the team. Patrick Russell might be in uh, that kind of group as well. So they do have uh, some options to bring guys up to the farm and, and play possibly in a depth role. I, I think, you know, this is interesting now. We're we're 16 games into the season, so t- 20% of the season. Mm-hmm. We'll round it off to 80. Obviously, it's it's 82. Uh, so I, I think we've seen some, some trends here for the Oilers. Um, some nights the special teams uh, did them a favor. Some nights uh, they did not. Some nights the goaltending did them a favor. Some nights it did not. Uh, I think t- I didn't think Talbot had a bad game by any means tonight, mm-hmm. but Luongo just just made the spectacular saves. And the depth scoring has been there at times. And other times, I mean, certainly early in the season, it wasn't there because McDavid set a league record for for the number of consecutive goals he got a point on for his team. And and then tonight, Robin, I said it during the third period. Now, now maybe there's some fatigue involved. I don't want to fall back on that too much. But, they, I mean, they just didn't keep plays alive tonight. And yeah. there there wasn't really any forechecking or sustained pressure from any of the lines. There wasn't. Uh, Florida was the better team. And... I, fatigue does come into play. I've been in positions where they play. You play three and four nights. It's tiring, and, and the travel they've had. Florida's a rested team. They haven't played in a week. They've been waiting, just sitting on this opportunity. You, you, I, you guarantee you, in the Florida dressing room before the game, they're saying, "All right, this is a tired team. We got to take advantage of it." As we've seen when teams have come into Edmonton, we've talked about it in the pregame show. You know, we're, this team's going back-to-back games. The Oilers should take advantage of that. Well, the Florida Panthers took certainly advantage of an, a tired Oilers team. The one thing that we've seen uh, early in the season, uh, star players on the Oilers getting extended minutes. You know, when you have Leon and Connor playing 22, 23, 24 minutes, Clefbaum playing 26, 27 on certain nights, that eventually catches up to you, and it catches up to you when you play a lot of games in a short amount of time. That's what happened here. But I think the biggest thing is the Oilers really got nothing from their depth tonight. Yeah. Uh, the, the third and fourth lines really not noticeable, eventually not playing much at all. And, and, and they need something from those lines. And it doesn't have to be just offense. It, it's momentum. It, it's uh, game-changing hits. 
something along that line that brings uh, a little bit of energy to the rest of the, the rest of the team, and it just wasn't there tonight. So the Panthers win at 4-1. We'll get to your phone calls in a couple of minutes, 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. Let's go back to Sunrise. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. I guess you've seen similarities in these last three games when it comes to the start of the game and then the end result. No, because I thought today we started well. Um, you know, we gave up the two goals in the second period, so we were well into the game. So uh, we had some opportunities early. Uh, Luongo made some good saves. We didn't bear down. And then we gave a lot of it back in the second period. I thought from the beginning of the second to the end of the night, they were um, a lot harder over loose pucks. Anything in in around two or three feet of us, they came up with. Expound that out to about a 10-foot radius, they'd come up with it. And uh, we just chased the puck all night. You look at the face-offs alone, we just we couldn't win anything. And we, we chased and chased and chased. And uh, they got better as the night went on. And we didn't put Connor and Leon together in that obviously took 23 seconds to to collect and it looked like you're maybe on your way. Then you well, took a we, we we had hoped that the the change would spark a little bit. Um, I thought that Barkov played really well. His his heaviness was uh, tough for Nuge and Connor to hang uh, or to haul around alone. So Leon was better equipped for that. So we tried that in the third period and came out and got the shift we wanted, got the goal we wanted, but then. Um, you know, took penalties, and the penalty kill has to do a better job in, in that situation. Uh, the seam pass is clearly a, a job for an individual that uh, knows he's got to do it, and he didn't get it done. Ada, you talked about the offensive weapons that the Panthers have. Uh, what can you say about their first line? They may have only chipped in for one goal, but they were buzzing all night tonight. Well, their whole team did a good job. Um, I just mentioned Barkov and the, you know, the strength that that he plays with and the heaviness he plays with. But their their team did a good job. Um, you, you, Cam played good too. It wasn't like he kept you in it when it was only two one and three one, and then. Yeah, I thought both both goaltenders both goaltenders played uh, an above average NHL game. Yeah, and, and Cam was good. Um, Luongo was very good early, and then he didn't didn't have to work much. Cam was the the more work goaltender, and he gave us a chance to to hang around at least and and push for uh, for a win. So there's there's nothing we can pin on the on the goaltender tonight. So obviously, nine and six going home is so obvious. Makes a heck of a lot of difference than eight and seven. I mean, you had to get this win, and then you go. You're still three games over 500. Well, those are yeah. That's the facts. Those are the numbers. Um, that's what it is. We're, we can't turn the clock back by three hours. So we're coming home at uh, you know eight, seven, and one, and we've got some games to play in our building. A couple of quick ones before we go out on the road again, and um, we've got to put a, an end to uh, to this streak that we're on right now. Good teams find a way to do that. We haven't been able to do it on the road, so we've got to do it at home now. Is there anything that was way different from your team on this road trip than you'd seen at home? I think I answered that question because uh, the game we're playing different teams, different circumstances. Uh, We weren't prepared to start in Washington. Uh, Tampa was uh, they get a quick one and then the the one at the end of the first period really hurt us. It took well into the second period for them to uh, to really take over the game with with the score. Uh, So the the leads are different. When you're not winning, you're, you're falling behind and sometimes it's by one, two, or three. Um, we're not winning. Thank you. 
All right, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Florida Panthers win this one 4-1. No scoring in the first. They got two in the second period, a period they dominated. The Oilers scored 23 seconds into the third. Dreisaitl gets his 10th from McDavid, but... Less than four minutes later, Florida gets a power play goal, and then they get an empty netter in the final minute to seal the deal. So, yeah, the Oilers 8-7-1 and one on the season. Obviously, uh, uh, not a playoff pace if you project that over the course of, uh, of a whole year, but a lot of players uh, sort of in a similar a lot of teams sort of in a similar point range to the Oilers right now. So uh, we'll see how this straightens itself out as we move along. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Alex on the line. Hi, Alex. Hi, how are you? Good. Good. Well, I guess I got a lot on my mind. Uh, I'm not too sure where this club is headed. I, I believe they've been mismanaged for a couple of years now, and uh, you're up against the cap, and you got Luch and Stroman uh, with not much production. I don't think that's going to change. You had a, uh, a club where their hopes were on Puviarvi, Ratty, and Yamamoto, and it's about time that Yamamoto and Puviarvi go down. That's well overdue. Um, man, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I don't want to get into too much negative, but we everyone knows what I just said is true. Uh, this team has been mismanaged for a long time, and I just don't trust management to get it out of the out of the situation. It can't anyway. They're up against the cap. I do know one thing that this team needs and hasn't had for a long, long time is a sniper and an offensive defenseman. We, everyone's been saying that year after year after year. It's not going to come. That's for sure. So, um, but I got I'm looking forward to a lot of the Western Conference games coming up, and uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, all right, thanks, Alex. Appreciate it, buddy. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can chime in on that line. You can text six thirty six thirty. We'll have post game reaction from Cam Talbot and Connor McDavid as well, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Oilers hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse. Live Oilers hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. Now it's Yandel with a slap pass ahead and carefully swung in by Sevier. Dodonov centering pass, one-timer. What a save by Talbot. Unbelievable! Talbot making a save in the third period when it was 3-1 for Florida, but the Oilers' offense couldn't get going. Florida adds an empty netter to win 4-1. That save of the game for Jiffy Lube, keeping you moving to and from the game, jiffylubeservice.ca. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 8-21 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins, 6.30 Ched, the play-by-play home of the Edmonton Oilers and the Edmonton Eskimos. The Eskimos uh, did announce four coaches not returning to the staff. Uh, you can get the details on that on 630ched.com. So, Rob, the Oilers lose uh, 4-1 here tonight. We had Talbot's save of the game. Obviously, Luongo made three big ones. Glove save on Dreisaitl. The game wasn't even a minute and a half old. Another glove save on Raddy when the game was four and a half minutes old. So, uh, I mean, the Oilers easily could have been up at least a goal early. And uh, then he robbed um, Raddy again. again. Or, sorry, Raddy again uh, on a power play. Back door, yeah. In the in the uh, in the second period, and uh, you know that was uh, those were three big ones by Luongo tonight, who continues to excel at the age of 39. There was a goal scored by the Panthers on the power play by Huberto in the third period, 
where he wound up having an open net on a on a cross ice pass and and just fired it in from kind of mi- mi- uh, medium range. What happened on that play? Well, it's something that you and I have talked about almost since game one of the season. Uh, it's getting in the eyes of a goaltender. And Barkov, who uh, is, is a highly skilled, probably the most skilled player on, on the Florida Panthers, but a big man, he was the net front presence. And the puck was on the sideboards, and Barkov was right in front of Cam Talbot, right in front of his eyes. He wasn't standing on the side, wasn't looking, hoping for a tip, wasn't going back door. He's right in front of Talbot. So Talbot couldn't see him. I think it was Trocek went and looked like he was going to shoot, Talbot look, tries to look around Barkov, gets in positioning for the shot, and then he makes a great pass across the ice through the seam, and Talbot has no idea the puck went there. Why? Because Barkov was in front of his eyes. Goes all the way over the other side to Huberdeau. Huberdeau has an entire empty net to shoot in, and that's why you stand in front of the goalie's eyes. You, you do it for the shot, you do it for the, uh, the screen, but you also do it because you, you just take that extra second for the goaltender to try and find a puck. And players in the National Hockey League if they have an extra second to make a play on the goaltender, they're usually going to score. So great play by Barkov and something that the Oilers can learn. Also on that play, Cassian's got to have his stick in the passing lane. Well, Todd referenced yeah, his you can't, comment. You too. can't have a puck going cross ice like that because your goaltender might not be able to see it. And I, I, during the broadcast, we were watching the TV broadcast with Kevin, Kin and, Kevin Quinn and Louis DeBrusque, and they, I think they referenced talking to Lucic saying, and I know you're probably going to get fired up about this one, Rob, saying, oh, well, a lot of times in the NHL, it's a flash screen. Move across the goalie's eyes. Uh, you know, try to disrupt them that way. Well, that's but, the, but with the screens that we've seen work in Oilers games this year, both for and against, haven't been flash screens. They've been guys planted there. And a flash screen is effective, but it, that is when a guy is coming and racing to the net. So if there's a guy, say, say I'm in the corner, and I pass it back to my D-man, and then I race to the net to try and beat my defenseman there, and as I race to the net, I'm going to go and f- pass the, the goalie's eyes. That's a flash screen. But when you're a net front presence, you're, you're an eclipse. You just stand there and take away... The, oil, the, the the goalie's eyes. I mean, that that is your only job. Don't move. And we've seen it so many times this year. And, and I'm using Lucic as an example just because he could be so effective if he stands in front of the goaltender. He'll be in front of the goalie's eyes, and as soon as the defenseman goes to shoot or as soon as the, the guy on the sideboards goes to shoot, he moves out of the way and he tries to t- touch the puck with his stick. But he's giving the goaltender a chance, A, to move out to get a better angle, and B, to see the puck all the way in. And if you get in front of the goaltender's eyes, A, now he can't move out. He is stuck behind you. He can't push you out of the way, and B, he can't see. So all, if the guy's shooting just misses the goalie, he scores. So a, a flash screen is only good if you're racing out of the corner to beat someone to the net. Much more effective way is stand right in front of the goalie. Well, Chase on helped Bouchard get his first NHL goal mm-hmm. by planting himself. He got a deflection goal. Uh, who was it screening in Florida? Was it Cassian screening or in Detroit? Pardon me. When Brodziak uh, that was Cassian. Yep. Great and, job and, by Cassian. And, yep. Uh, Brodziak kind of moved the puck around. Mm-hmm. Or Howard or um, not Howard. Uh, Which God, goal? I forgot who was in that game. But anyway, uh, you know, flicked it around yeah. and got the goal. And yeah, so you see those those plays working, and the Oilers don't seem to have enough of that for sure. They lose four one to the Florida Panthers tonight. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Travis is on the line. Hi, Travis. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Uh, I just wanted to mention there, um, just with um, like I don't know what they're doing in practice, but it just seems like it's just getting worse and worse. 
Like, why is there two D-men on the right side of the ice and they're walking in like twice in a row they walked in and scored? Um, we're just getting caught out of, out of a line. And then, and then when, then we come in the ozone, there's so many breakdowns in the ozone that they're not doing right. Like, I seen the one freeze frame there, Kajula, wide open, and he's looking for a pass. He's in the slot, the puck on a stick, and now he's trying to be cute. Like, the, the guy, they gotta start putting pucks on net. And I'm, I'll be happy to see Puyarvi go down. Uh, he needs to go down. He, like, it seems like he just follows the guy with the puck all the time. He's never open yep. or wide. He always seems out of place. I don't know. I just I feel like there's got to be more one-on-one coaching, more more practices or something. There's just so much going on, and it's just like... Well, they wouldn't have practiced stressful. a lot on this trip, obviously. Uh, and they weren't and, allowed and, to uh, practice uh, yesterday. Yeah. As, it was uh, mandated. As I'm sure, uh, yeah, as I'm sure you know, they did change... You know, three quarters of the coaching staff, and I have, I do think there has been some positive impact there. But no, they did, they didn't play well enough uh, the last three games, and I'm sure you saw the game; they were dominated completely uh, in the second period tonight. So it got out of control yeah. for sure. Thanks, Travis. Thanks. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. By the way, we're looking for somebody to finish the play at that phone number. If you like uh, getting your name into draws to win stuff, and who doesn't? Panthers win 4-1. The Oilers only scoring five goals in the last three games. Whenever they score five goals in a game, which they have done a couple of times this season, we will turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer. Three locations, Japanese Village in Edmonton, downtown Southside and Northside. Okay, Dana, line two. Hello, Dana. Hello, how are you? Doing well. That's great. So here's my question. I've been an Oilers fan since I was born out of my mom's tummy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, there's actually three things I would like to talk about before you guys interrupt me. <laughs> um, you, got a, is, you got a minute and a half. Okay, so Dreisaitl. Obviously, when we went to the, playoff, we went to the playoffs, Dreisaitl and McDavid were on the same line. It's about time that we move, let's say late, so we move Brodziak up to the second line centerman. And move dry settle up to the top line. Okay, because Brozniak is a heck of a centerman, and if he has more ice time, he could be an effective player. Who's the third player on your top line? My third player on my top line? Well, it would be uh, dry settle with either center or McDavid, or McDavid at center, it doesn't matter. Yeah, who's the third who's player, the third though? third player? The third player would be uh, Ratty. Okay, so then... why is Brozniak your second line center and not Nugent Hopkins? You think Nugent's that bad? No, 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 I'm not saying no, no. Nuge is up there on the top line. I thought Raddy was up on the top line with McDavid. No, no. Raddy is. Then where's Nuge? Mid dry side old Raddy. Okay. What's your, se- what's your second, second point? What's your second point, Dana? Right? What's your second Basically, point? It's not working with dry side running his own line. I mean, they're getting more chemistry. Okay, well, you have four oh, players on one line, but that's fine. What's your, what's your second point? Dana, what's your second like point? You're, you're testing my patience here, buddy. What's your second point? My second point is I think Koskinen's going to make a nice spot for a number one goalie. Well, he might. And what's your third point? My, my third point is uh, was just that I have no, I, no, no uh, resemblance why Lucic, that, that was a perfect play. Like, that's somebody sticking up for their teammates and there should have been a fine or nothing because that should have been a call on a boarding call but yeah 
Fair enough. All right. Thanks, Dana. We appreciate it. 780-496-0063. You'll hear from Talbot and McDavid. Ross is up next on the phone line. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. The Oilers' top line for the next game, possibly, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Ty Ratty. I like their chances better then. The other well, team's going to be no, really confused. Would they still confused. have two defensemen on the ice, or will well, they only have one they'll be better. They'll be better if they go with six. Why not? And, I mean, goal, it, and, and they're still allowed to Oh, yeah, absolutely. Incredible. It's, well, I don't know if you ever played. Now I've played in my coach by kids teams at times where, you know, if the other team's a little bit better than you, you get to put an extra player on the ice just to make it even. We do that in our street hockey tournament every year. <laughs> works works perfectly. 780-496-0063. You can also text 636-30. Pizza Guy Nick, who, uh, loyal texter, like Pizza Guy Nick. He's always out working while he texts in. He goes, I think people really underestimated how good Florida is. It was just their goaltender that was keeping them down. They have a solid team, but people looked at their record and assumed they were bad. Well, Florida had that crazy run last year. I think they went 16-4-1 and over mm-hmm. a 21-game stretch and pulled themselves back into a playoff fight. They tied a record for most points for a non-playoff team last year with 96. They were good, and, and this year they lost Luongo. And Reimer wasn't yeah. good. So, and we talked about it before the game that don't underestimate the Florida Panthers. They got some talent. Now, their back end, I don't think, is as strong as some of the other teams. But up front, I mean, what we saw tonight, Barkov going head to head against McDavid, and eventually Tom McCulling putting dry settle with McDavid because he thought that Barkov was getting the better of him, and he was. Shows you how good Barkov is as a hockey player. Steven says, people say Lucic is snake-bitten, but look at Ratty. I feel bad for the guy. He's doing everything right. I hope he gets one soon. Well, I, I fair comment, Steven. Yep. I'm glad you brought that up. Because I, I, I don't think Ty Ratty is not scoring because of lack of chances or laziness or being in the wrong place. He's, he's going to the right spot still. And, and shots that you would expect to go in. And he got good wood on them. He put them where he wanted to. Sometimes the goalie's just better. Normally, it's usually spread out. There's like two or three or four guys that get stoned by a goaltender. Unfortunately for Raddy, it's been him in back-to-back games. Uh, if he keeps getting those chances, he's a good enough player. The puck's going to go in for him. All right. This texture says the Oilers need a shooter, one who can hit the net consistently, can pick a corner, can score when there is uh, an open net. Well, that's fair. I mean, they're, they don't have – I mean, the best setup guys are also the best scorers. Yep. McDavid and, and I mean, Drysdale. Sure, other teams are like that too, but, but there's none of – they don't have that guy – Okay, maybe he gets 10 assists the entire year, but he gets 25 goals. No, you're right. I mean, the two best goal scorers the Oilers have are Dreisaitl and McDavid. Who are who, also their two best, two best passers. passers. Yeah. And when they're passing, they have, they're passing to guys that are a lesser goal scorer than they are. That's why when you see the success that McDavid and Dreisaitl have, they're usually passing to each other. And when they're separated, they're not getting the puck and the scoring chances as much because they become the playmakers. All right. And Colin says uh, the Oilers looked exhausted. Worst part of their schedule is now behind them. That trip to Europe was insanity. Uh, They've survived the stretch. They have a better record than I thought possible. They get some rest. Four games the next 10 days, three at home, and the other one in Calgary that is much, much more manageable. That is from Colin. All right. 780 Four nine six zero zero six three. We have Ross on the line. Hey Ross, how's it going? 
Fit, how are you doing tonight? Good. Do you have a comment or you just want to play the game? Uh, let's go straight to play the game. All right. We would like to put your name into the grand prize draw for a $1,000, uh, or pardon me, an hour rental at Fast Track Indoor Karting. It's worth $1,000. Fast Track Indoor Karting, safe adrenaline pumping fun. FastTrackKartingEdmonton.com. It's swung by Clefbaum to Drysaddle. Back to McDavid. Low centers. Okay, well, that was a chance for Ty Ratty. Uh, did he score? No, he didn't. All right. It's swung by Clefbaum to Drysaddle. Back to McDavid. Low centers. What a save by Luongo. Got it with the left hand. And again, Ty Ratty is the victor. Yeah, chance tonight for uh, Ratty. Uh, one texture says, Ratty is not an established player. You set up a legitimate goal scorer, and they will score on at least one of those chances. Well, he's not an established player. That's fair. No, we'll true. We'll see how he keeps doing. But he's done better than other guys in that spot, so I think you're kind of coming at the same argument as the previous texture from a different angle. They, they don't have a, a pure shooter, nope. and they're giving Ratty a chance to see if he can uh, finish some of those opportunities. Uh, Don says, is Todd McClellan getting closer to being fired? Well, I don't think we're there. No, I don't even think I, we're close yet. I don't yet. think we're there. So, nope. I mean, they've, uh, as that one texter said, they probably got through this stretch better than a lot of people thought they might. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and we'll see. And no, I don't think Joel Quenville is coming here, even if Todd McClellan is relieved of his duties in the near future. Okay, I'm, I, I can't agree, agree with that. I, I think Joel Quenville is going to pick where he wants to go. Well, I guess if he said, hey, I want to work there, yeah, but no, but you're saying that he, if Todd was gone, you don't think Joel would come here? Is that what you're, just, you're saying right now? I don't. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. I, I think don't, I don't know if the Oilers would pay Joel Quenville what he would want to make to coach and Todd McClellan not to coach. I think their preference is for Todd McClellan to be the coach. Oh well, yeah, I agree with that. But I'm I, I think any team in the National Hockey League would be lucky to have Joel Quenville as a coach. I think he's an excellent coach. Well, so do I. Yeah. So yeah, I'm saying if for some reason but Todd I, I decided... Think, no, here's the thing. I know there's already people saying just even if the Oilers were 15-0, and 0, fire Todd. Oh, no, no. I don't agree with any of that. But I, but if Todd was not here, then I believe then Joel Quenville would be at the top of their list. I wouldn't make the move right now. I think you give Todd the chance. You give see what he can do with this team. Uh, this texter says, anyone blaming Cam for how tonight went clearly isn't paying attention, had a decent night. Well, no one's blaming Talbot tonight. I thought he had a, no, he was good. He had a good game. I mean, the Oilers were under siege in the second period, and if anything, he probably prevented it from... Like, the second period was terrible. It was one yep. of the worst periods of the year for the Oilers. You well, probably have to go back to maybe the first period in Winnipeg. Well, he gave them a chance, because if Florida goes up 3 nothing in the second period, which they should have for the number of chances they had, the game is over. Being up two, all of a sudden one shot, and the Oilers are back in, and we saw the start of the third period. They get that one shot, they make it 2-1, and just... Uh, I think it was the penalty they called. That was a bad call. And that's another thing. The referee was bad both ways. Yeah, it was not days, a well... Two days in a row, it wasn't... It wasn't a good ref, a well-refed game. And that penalty they called on Nugent Hopkins wasn't a penalty. The and penalty on Huberto was... Was terrible. Like, he got, didn't he just body check Nurse and he got a roughing penalty? Yeah. and then, well, It's and almost the pe- like they felt like, oh, we haven't called a penalty in a while. Well, they gave Cassian a charging penalty. They didn't think it was charging either. I mean, if you want to call interference, maybe. But it wasn't charging. So, But the one on Nugent Hopkins... I mean, all of a sudden, Florida scores in the power play, and they're back up 3-1. So that was a bad call. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Corey on the line. Go ahead, Corey. Hey, guys. How's it going tonight? Very good. Good, good. A couple quick comments, and then I have a question for you guys. Uh, first thing, you guys are doing a wonderful job when you have to deal with callers who are talking about throwing four forwards on a line, <laughs> and then your two defensemen, and then your goalie. 
good job, guys, for being patient with them. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Secondly, uh, you know, they, they lost tonight. It was not a good game. I don't think really anybody on the team was very much of a standout, but they're very tired. And I'm guessing that the referees were on the same road trip as uh, the players were because they seemed tired too. <laughs> All right. Now, the comments I have, or the question is, so there's a lot of talk about, you know, the potential of we are going down as well as uh, Yamamoto. Uh, Tyler Benson is a right winger. Is that is that right? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, he's, I think more he's more of a center. centerman. More of a center. He shoots he's more left. centerman, but yeah. they have been playing him on the wing, have they not? Uh, who's he been with? He's been with Hebig and uh, and Marodi. Right. Uh, if you can play center, you can play the wing. It's harder right. if you're a winger to play center, but if he's cap- if he's been playing center, he's very capable. He's a smart hockey player. He can play the wing. Okay, well, that kind of answers my, answers my question. Because I was thinking, you know, let's say hypothetically both Puyi as well as Yamamoto go down, and then you have this, this big cluster in, uh, in in right wing in, in, in Bakersfield, then, you know, there might be an issue there as well because you're sending them down to develop them. You're not going to get as much development, you know, as a third-line right winger. But, hey, if you can move Tyler Benson to center on, say, the second line or something, then that just looks pretty pretty sweet, actually. Well, well to be in all honesty, if you're sending players to the minors, and all players in the minors should learn how to play different positions, and good coaches have them do that, so that you, if there is an injury, if you got a guy that's playing lights out down there that's a right winger, and you have a left winger injury in Edmonton, you've won a guy that's able to come over and play the opposite side. So most players learn through junior hockey and then in the minor pros how to play more than one position and it's very very important that they do so they've they've actually put Puliyarvi on on the left side a number of times up on on, uh, the big team here do you think there's a really good chance they might try to give him a really good shot uh if hypothetically they send him down there uh that they would give him a shot on the left wing give him some games there do you think they'd probably just put him in a a comfortable position in no he'd play he'd play i I think this, this wasn't this the only time he's played left in the NHL this year, anyway. I, I don't remember. I, th- I think I it's important he, he learns how to play. It's not that hard. The The only hard part about playing the opposite side is in your own zone because you're taking the puck uh, differently from your defenseman. It, when you're playing your off-wing in your own zone, you kind of look look at your defenseman. You don't you get blindsided more. Once the play starts going up ice, it doesn't matter. And I played offside my entire career. It's way better in the offensive end because you're coming in on your one-time shot. Uh, I think if Pugliarvi goes down, if he does, and this is only us guessing, I would put him in the most comfortable spot you can find him in to start with because he's got to gain confidence. He, he looks lost out there. Tonight when he did not have the puck, he chased one time in his own zone and he went. He did an entire circle in his own zone. That's someone trying to uh, create something out of nothing and just not knowing where they're supposed to be. So he needs a reset right now. All right, quick check of the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Drive away with your newer used trailer. Head to edmontontrailer.com. Oilers lose 4-1 to the Panthers. Canucks outscore the Bruins 8-5. Sabres outscore the Canadians 6-5 in overtime. Golden Knights beat the Senators 5-3. Lightning over the Islanders 4-2. In the third, Hurricanes up 4-3 on the Blackhawks and Stars up 3-2 on the Sharks. Early on, no score Wild and Kings and the Flyers get by the Coyotes 5-4 in overtime. Gostas Bear gets the game winner a minute one into the extra session. Thursday night football, 12 and a half minutes left. Steelers up 52-14 on the Panthers. Tons of points for the Steelers tonight. All right, before we get Ross on the show, let's go back to Sunrise. Here's Oilers goaltender Cam Talbot. Bang, bang. The second period, especially those two goals they got it. 
Yeah, the one was uh, a nice play, and Daniel made a nice move to go back on me. And uh, second one, just another another bad bounce, whoever it was off of. Yeah, right to right to Hubert on the slaughter, whoever it was. Um, but Buke said, sorry, yeah. Um, yeah, just another tough bounce there. But um, I didn't think that we generated enough in the second. They kind of took it to us there. And, um, you know, we couldn't really weather the storm and then, um, you know, give up a PP goal in, in the third. And that was it. It was a good fake by Joe Jack sending it over to Hayward Yeah. There was everybody there. Yeah, especially with the traffic. the traffic in front. Yeah, it was uh, as soon as I lose side of the puck there, I went to take away the short side. And when he goes back to the seam, is couldn't find the puck again in time. So, nice play. Back to only one game over 500, so obviously this was going to be a huge game for you. You want to get that cushion at least going home where it's yeah six makes a hell of a lot of difference with eight seven. It does. We we wanted to come home, um, you know, two and two on this road trip, and would have been feeling a little bit better about ourselves. But um, you know, we got a couple games at home to to climb back up a few games above 500 here, and uh, before we go back on the road, so that's our focus now. We have to have a good home stand. You had the chances early, but Lou made this great save. Saying, I mean, you could have been up to nothing pretty quickly. Yeah, we could have. He made two big saves in the first five minutes there, and you know. Um, like I said, it could have been 2 nothing early. It could have been a different game, but he makes those saves, and that's sometimes the way the game goes. I think after that, I mean, he made a couple more down the stretch, but um, those two early were, uh, you know, game savers for them. All right, that is Cam Talbot takes the loss tonight, still looking for his 100th win as an Edmonton Oiler. This texter says, what are your thoughts after watching a team like Tampa Bay play the Oilers? When I look at a team like Tampa, it shows how far away we are from being a cup contender. I don't think the Oilers are horrible, but our lack of depth and mismanagement of players is really starting to show. Well, the Oilers' lack of depth and mismanagement of players has been showing since about 1994. We will take a quick timeout. Edmonton loses 4-1 to Florida. Oilers hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers hockey is brought to you by Austin Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. All right, third straight loss for the Oilers. 4-1, they fall to the Florida Panthers along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It is Ross on the line. Hey, Ross. Gentlemen, how you doing tonight there? Good. Good. Hey, I have a question for you that hopefully you can uh, help me out with here. Uh, I was a pretty happy guy when uh, Milan Lucic was uh, was on his way to Edmonton here, and um, of course the first year was pretty exciting to have him around and stuff. But what's going on with with Milan and you guys' opinion there, Rob? And and uh, yeah, if you guys could talk about that with a little bit with for me, that'd be helpful. Okay, um, I think the expectations for Milan were too high when he came here. I think the contract. Uh, created expectations that, you know, playing with Connor McDavid, he's going to come score 40 goals, he's going to get in four, 20 fights, he's going to lead the league in hits, and the expectations were too high. I think that Milan Lucic, uh, I mean, he, every player as they get older, I mean, the, the production diminishes, it, it slows. I, I think that he, he's always been a 23, 24 goal a year type of guy, get a two or three fights and some big hits. Uh, I, I think I don't think the game has passed him by speed-wise. I think he's been snake-bitten a bit. I don't think his hands are as good as they were, and this is a getting to be a quicker game, so when you have to make quicker plays, uh, 
I think that at that part he struggles. I think he can be an intimidating force. I think there's parts of his game that uh, the Oilers desperately need, and for him is to stay positive and and not let his body language and the frustration take over like it did last year. Second half of the season, and he was frustrated, and it was obvious, but it was obvious from the press box because you could see his body slumping, he was breaking sticks over the glass. He was upset. He needs to stay in a positive frame, and maybe the expectations now aren't a 25-goal season for Milan Lucic. Maybe it's a 15-goal season, yet he can lead the league in hits, and he could police, and he can look after that part of it. But what happens is when he doesn't score, and this is what we saw last year, when he doesn't score, that bleeds into the rest of his game, and he can't let that happen. we got a texter who thinks Lucic should be on the Oilers' top line along with Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Riederstrom, Raddy, Kajula, <laughs> Kara, Cassian, Brodzak, and Marodi. And Marodi, too. They have to call him up. That's a pretty good first line, though. Imagine them lining up at the center ice. And like all what? What are we doing? That's what people want. Uh, Connor McDavid is on the Oilers' actual top line with three forwards. Back to Sunrise. Here he is. Battle back from it. Um, as a whole, you're back to only one game over 500. I'm obviously going to put it this one so you get the three-game bulge over 500. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you never want to lose uh, three in a row. You never want to lose back-to-back. Um, obviously, it's frustrating, but you know, we got to regroup here. Um, you know, we had a good start, and, and uh, you know, it allows us to have a little slide like this, and you know, we got to battle out of it. Um, yourself with Leon to start the third. You figured, you know, you like playing with Leon. He likes playing with you. That was an impetus to get that, that goal, and then... You know, it was a big goal. Um, it was a really big goal. You know, we didn't have uh, much momentum going. Um, you know, to come out in the first uh, minute and score, um, you know, that's big. It was big. Uh, you know, you kind of think that you're going to come back from that. And obviously, uh, a couple penalties later, and um, you know, we're back into a two-goal hole and not much time left. Connor, before the game, uh, Tom McClellan talked about the sneaky firepower that the Florida Panthers have, especially with that first line. How would you say they kind of rank among the top lines in, in the league? Yeah, they're a good line. Um, they're definitely underrated just playing here in Florida. You know, not a lot of people talk about them, but you know, they, they got some real good players. Um, credit to them. All right, there's Connor McDavid gets an assist tonight on Leon Dreisaitl's 10th goal of the season, but that was it offensively for the Oilers. They lose 4-1 to the Panthers. All right, so uh, the road trip over obviously didn't go great. They just go 1-3, and three. couldn't uh, sneak out any points against uh, Tampa Bay and Washington after beating Detroit, and uh, then just bombed in the second period tonight in Florida, outshot 19-4 and outscored 2-0. So back home, Colorado coming up on Sunday, Montreal on Tuesday. Well, there are two games that I actually look forward to. Uh, Colorado Avalanche have the best line in the National Hockey League, you know, with Landeskog, McKinnon, and Rantanen. They are the best in the National Hockey League. You have the top three scores in the National Hockey League going with uh, Rantanen, McKinnon, and Connor McDavid. So you got the excitement of that. I hope they go head-to-head. Uh, and then the game after that, you get the Montreal Canadiens, which I, I, I know the Oiler, Oiler country, they, they, they love supporting their team, but it's always fun when Montreal or Toronto comes because you see all the other jerseys come out, and there'll be a lot of red jerseys in, in Rogers, and it's fun just hearing the fans go back and forth. It's always different when Montreal comes to town. They bring 673 journalists. The press box is full. <laughs> uh, it's fun. It's a fun night. So I think the next two games on home ice, uh, there will be energy in the building, 
and I expect a much more energetic effort by the Edmonton Oilers. Don't forget, you can always get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. 4-1, Florida beating the Oilers tonight. Three-game losing streak now for the Oilers. They slip to 8-7-1 on the season. And Sunday's game against the Avalanche, the face-off show live from Studio 99, will be at 6. The game will commence at 7.30. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.